Good morning, church. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I'm going to be making a few little adjustments here on my screen, so I might be distracted a little bit. For those of you who are on phone, uh, I am going to be, I, I have a PowerPoint uh, to, to go along with the sermon, and for those of you who and it, and it simply is the outline that was provided in the in the proclaimer. For those of you who are on video, you'll you can imagine um, that little box that's going to be up on the top right. I thought I was going to be there, but um, I didn't understand how the program works. So live, we're all learning to adjust with this, aren't we? Uh, so today uh, it's let me see if I, I forgot to share my screen and I just messed up already. Um, back to here, share screen, and I'll go here. All right, so now, uh, let me get this thing rolling. The, it's, it's an interesting, wonderful day when the world comes together, and I, I hope you like that little picture of the Church of Christ, um, I, ho I hope we're there again real soon, but until then, we're going to do these meetings and do the best we can and pray for uh, God's grace and his mercy upon us. Uh, today is, is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, he lives. Today's the day that they went to, uh, the ladies went to the garden. They went to the, to the tomb and, and found it empty. And why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And so this happened almost 2,000 years ago that Jesus was, he lived, walked on this earth, and he was raised from the dead. And his resurrection, uh, let me change a little bit here. One more thing on my screen that's going to get to me. Okay, his resurrection proves that he was God. You know, we, we see, we can understand that when he was raised from the dead, when somebody came back to, to life and nobody else was there to raise him, like Jesus raised Lazarus and some other folks, it, there was nobody there to raise him. And it proved that he was who he said he was, that he was the very son of God and that he was, in fact, God. But the question for us today that we're going to consider is a little bit more. And then we're going to come back to the resurrection is what did his death do? What did his death do? So some simple thoughts today, but maybe some thoughts that some people don't think about too much. And for us to get started, I'm going to revisit a verse that we looked at last week. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 and 2. One pause just for another moment here. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, now, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So here we looked at, we were talking about the concept last week of you, God calls us to do for others what he's done for you. Do for others what God has done for you. And it tells us that we should love. We're to walk in love. So we should love because God has loved us. And it tells us a little bit about just as Christ also loved you. So we know Christ has loved us. 
But the question comes, to what extent did Christ love you? To what extent does Christ love you? And the answer comes right in this passage, and the answer is that he gave himself up for us. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. He gave himself up. When you hear that, he gave himself up. We understand people who give of themselves. We understand that that is the most wonderful, this sacrificial kind of love is what we would call it. But Christ's sacrificial kind of love is very special because he gave himself up. He gave himself up to go to the cross. And that's our next question. How did he give himself up for us? Just a very logical, simple-minded thought that we have here. How did he give himself up for us? And the scripture right there says, he gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, an offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus became a sacrifice to God. And now that that might mean something to you, but you might also be sitting there and thinking, well, what is a sacrifice? We, it's, you know, we hear this word, you know, people sacrifice themselves in many different ways. What does it mean here in the scripture pertaining to Jesus that he became a sacrifice to God? And so let us let us consider the question and let's answer it. This is my answer. Um, I didn't get this out of a dictionary. So if in some way it's not satisfactory to you, and I will say I, I know there's more to it than this, but I think this is the simplest answer, and that is that a sacrifice is a payment made to God. And this is sacrifice pertaining to God. It's you know, it's not not an everyday sacrifice. A payment made to God to satisfy him when we sin. A payment made to God to satisfy him when we sin. Okay, so first John. Chapter 4 is where we're going to turn. And I hope you'll look in your Bibles here and consider these thoughts and these passages. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And the context before is just wonderful. And after, I hope you'll read the whole thing. But pertaining to this idea of sacrifice and it being a satisfaction. This is going to be the word that I'm keying in on, satisfaction. Uh, that's what I want to look at right now. So 1 John chapter 4, verse number 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. And so this is how God's love was made known to us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, you know, how do you, another question, right? What's propitiation? That's where I've substituted in this word satisfy. Satisfaction. You know, if you, it's, it's interesting in so many cultures, uh, ancient cultures, they had, they would make sacrifices. You know, it was always to appease the gods, right? 
So it's still in movies today. They're great movies. You got to appease the gods. You got to make a sacrifice. Um, and so they, you know, somebody, they, the people go up to the top of the, the volcano before it erupts and they've got to throw a, a, a sacrifice, throw a human sacrifice in there to appease the gods. This is the concept of propitiation. And it's no wonder that it's in so many cultures because this idea of satisfaction, propitiation, uh, it's, it comes from God, the one who created the, the entire universe, the one who created us, the one who, when man sinned in the garden, there had to be animals to die to provide covering for them. So when we sin, something has to die to, to keep God satisfied and for us to stay in a right relationship with him, for our sins to be covered, a sacrifice has to be made. God's, God has to be satisfied because when we mess up the relationship, it doesn't please him. He wants to be, and that should make us happy. God wants to be in a right relationship with him. And when we mess up the relationship, he wants it fixed. And so instead of punishing us, somebody else can take the place. Something else can satisfy the punishment for our sins. So here is a payment that is made. This is the concept of sacrifice. When I have messed up with God, then a payment has to be made. A sacrifice has to be made. And only in the Old Testament, it could only be, only be a, an animal sacrifice, the best animal you could get. So this is the concept of sacrifice. So here is what Jesus did for us. He became the payment that was going to be made to God. And for me, this, this idea of the wrath of God towards sin had to be paid. There has to be a payment, has to be a punishment. And so the punishment is made, is taken by Jesus. Okay. Question. How much payment is needed? Okay, so when I when I sin, when I mess up with God and I I my do something that angers God, he still loves me and he wants me to be reconciled to him. So there's going to have to be a payment made of, well, how much, how much should that payment be? Uh, this is an interesting question because part of it, when we say how much should the payment be or how much payment is needed, we, we start thinking on the terms of, well, how bad was the sin, Right. In our in, in our criminal justice system, if there you know the the punishment is always supposed to you know fit the crime, right? And so we start thinking, well, what's how bad was the sin? And well, the only way we can say how bad the sin was, well, we look around at others and we start saying, well, I'm I'm not as bad as some people. I'm not as, you know, as, as good as others. You know, we start comparing ourselves to others. And if the, if we ever do something really bad and we, we really feel bad, we can always think of Hitler. There's always Hitler, right? And we can think, well, I'm not as bad as Hitler. or So-and-so is not as bad as Hitler. He's the worst of all in recent uh, years. And so we can say, well, my sin's bad, but it's only it's only this bad. And Hitler is this bad. He's he's way down here. Now, I'm no um, I'm no super nice guy like 
Gandhi, you know, maybe he, you know, you think of him as being super good, you know, and maybe I'm not as good as him, but we start comparing ourselves to others and we start thinking, well, how bad is something? How bad am I? Well, the problem with that is, is that we're not dealing with others when it comes to our sin. We are dealing with God. And so the question is, well, how good is God? And we really, we, we, we don't know. We can't imagine the goodness, the wonderful, the amount of love that God is and his amazing power. We can't imagine God. Here's my thought that I have listed on the outline there is we can't imagine how much, since we can't imagine how good God is, we can't imagine how bad we are. We can't imagine how how bad our sin is, we can't really imagine and measure how much payment is needed. God's the one who is going to tell us how much payment is needed. So we can't imagine. Now, if we could see the infinite goodness and holiness of God, if we could see that, by the way, we can't. In this body, this body couldn't handle it. If we could see God's love and his beauty and his holiness, we would die. That said many, you know, God said a bunch of times in the Old Testament, he said, no one can see me and live. Well, I don't think he's saying, if you see me, then I'm going to have to kill you. I think God's saying, if you saw me, you would blow up. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not, it's not a threat. It's just saying you can't see me and live. It's not possible. It'd be, you, you stare at the sun for a, a few minutes. What do you, what happens to your body? It gets messed up, right? And that's just the brightness of the sun. God is infinitely brighter and more pure and holy than that. So if we could only see the infinite goodness and holiness of God, and we can't, but if we could, then we'd realize that we are not good. We are not good. If we could realize that we are not good, we could realize just how bad we are, then we would also realize we don't deserve to go to heaven. We don't deserve to be in the presence of God. We are not worthy to be there with him and that actually we would accept this fact that we truly do deserve eternal punishment. We really do deserve to go to hell. I don't, I don't think that's a natural concept that we just kind of come up with. I think that is only because we know and understand how good God is and that's explained to us in scripture. So study the word of God. Make sure you know it, because this is a this is not an easy concept. We tend to go to 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 funerals and say, "Yeah, they that person would have given the shirt off his back to help somebody in need." Uh, they were really good. I know that right now they're in heaven. That's it's it's easy thing to want to say, but the fact is we have to understand that that we don't determine good and bad. Jesus, Jesus said when somebody came to him, why do you, the guy, the guy said, good teacher, what must I do to in, inherit eternal life? And the man said, why do you call me good? Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is none good except the Father in heaven. No one is good. Now, if Jesus says that, he's trying to teach us something, right? Because Jesus was good. So anyhow, we can't imagine the idea of God's holiness and beauty. Therefore, we can't imagine how just how sinful and ugly and nasty we are. And there's nothing we can do to change this. 
once we've sinned, we've messed up, we've soiled ourselves, we have made ourselves just impure, unholy, we are unworthy, unfit to be in heaven. I can't, we can't change it. But God has made a way. So the only way that we have a sense where we can change this is by doing what God says, by getting right with God. So God's made the way. But I hope you get this. This is the thought of what we really need to get at today. When we think about this is the time when Jesus died. He was buried in the grave for three days and then raised up. You know, the resurrection that we celebrate today, yeah, it's the power of God. He was the son of God. But why did did he die just so he could prove he was the son of God? No, he died to make a payment. And somehow when Jesus was on that cross, I know the physical suffering was immense. I know it was terrible. But somehow Jesus made a payment that was something that I couldn't pay a payment for my sins, and he made that. We need to talk about that, the spiritual aspect of what was needed. What was that payment? And thus, maybe, we get to, there it is, 1 Peter chapter 2, and verses, verse, the scripture reading was from uh, verses 21 through 24, but right now let's just consider uh, verse number 24. In and of itself, we'll mention a couple other verses in a minute. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we're healed. He bore our sins on the cross. Somehow Jesus, I don't know how God made this exchange. He's God. He can do it. Somehow Jesus bore my sins and it becomes very personal at this point. And as we, as we, we think about why did Jesus die? It's because he went to the cross to pay the punishment for my sins, for our sins, but my sins. And when I realize and I think about uh, the things that I've done and the things that I do. Uh, Jesus took the punishment for those things on the cross. And I really, I, I come down with this, the thought in mind of how bad we are and thinking that we don't deserve heaven and that we truly do deserve hell. The fact is, is that Jesus, when he went to that cross, he bore my sins on that cross. He took the punishment by his stripes, by his his punishment made me well. So he, he took the punishment that I deserve. And I know the punishment I deserve. I deserve an eternity's worth of punishment in hell. Jesus served out somehow on that cross when, when he was dead. I don't know how God made this happen. But somehow Jesus took the punishment that I deserve. And it was an eternity's worth of hell for me. Just thinking about what he did for me is immense. That would be an agony that he made for me. He suffered agony, torture. He suffered hell for me. He took that punishment. But it's not just me. It's you, too. He took the punishment for you. 
and for the sins of the whole world, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, he, he bore our sins on that cross. He took, he, for all the dumb things that we have done, he took the punishment that we deserved. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. You can check that with a couple of other places. You can look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. You can read Isaiah 53. This concept is over and over again in, the, in Isaiah 53. Jesus knew what he was going to suffer. He knew what he was going to do. He always did. So Jesus bore. This is why he died. This is why he had to die on that cross was to save us. And it's a demonstration of love for us. Since he has done this for us, we should follow in his steps. We should die to sin and live to righteousness. We should be done with sin. Knowing what it does to Jesus, what it has done, we should be done with sin. We should put away sin and live to righteousness. That's in verse number 21 in, in 1 Peter 2. It's right there in that context. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 tells us to follow in his steps. Follow in the steps of the one who committed no sin. We're not supposed to be sinning. We're supposed to die to sin and live to righteousness, right in verse 24 that we read. So consider that. You know, we, we honor this day so much as it was a historic time and when Jesus would have died for us and been raised to life again. But it means something to us every Lord's Day. Every Sunday is the Lord's Day, as, as has been mentioned. And so we need to remember every Lord's Day that he he was resurrected to life, and so that we too, he, since he was resurrected, we too should be living. We should li be living according to righteousness and following after Christ Jesus. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 15 now. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's a long, lengthy passage uh, just encouraging us to know that we will, we will someday be resurrected from the, from the grave. We'll be resurrected from the dead unless we're one of the ones who are alive when Jesus comes back, which could happen any time and could have happened any time in history here since the, the, the church began. Um, I, and, you know, as, as so many people are starting to, oh, it's uh, the plague, you know, and it's the end times. It's been the end times for a long time. So let's just keep living for Jesus. We could be around, the world could be around another couple thousand years. So let's, uh, or another 10,000 years. We don't know. So, but your time, my time could come anytime. So live for Jesus. Uh, but considering the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22, it says, and so now we, we now that we understand the death of Jesus, let's talk a little bit more then. He, he didn't just die and stay dead. He paid the debt, and then he overcame because he is God. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits for those who are asleep. The first fruits, you know. So are there other fruits that come? Jesus was raised from the dead. There are other fruits that come. He was just the first one. For since by a man came death, by, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. So also in Christ, all will be made alive. And so, and since Christ has been raised from the dead, those who are in Christ will also be raised. We, we got this wonderful glory, this glorious hope since Jesus paid the debt for us. He took my sins on the cross. 
He suffered my punishment, which I deserved. God has done this wonderful work to prepare me then to be in his presence for heaven. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be there. We do deserve hell. But Jesus suffered the agony of hell somehow in some spiritual way so that we then could also be raised just like he was, be raised and go home eternally uh, with God forever. What a wonderful hope. So as we think today about the one who died for us, and I'm, I've put up a picture of the emblems that, that Jay shared with us when he preached. A lot of us will remember when Jay preached and we kind of felt and heard and just had this sensory experience of what it was when Jesus went to the cross for us and what he, what he experienced when he was humiliated, uh, when he had that crown of thorns placed in, on his head and he was beaten there and the rods hit him in the head, just putting that crown down in even farther, the, the, the nails put into his hands and feet. He was hung in humility and they'd, they'd placed the, the purple robe on him at one point in time to mock him as a king who was bleeding and beaten. And uh, then they put him on the cross and and there they, they crucified him, and he died there for us. He died on that cross for you and me. And the question comes, has anyone else ever died for you? Perhaps you might think of, rightly so, some, some soldiers who, who serve and try and uh, they sacrifice in a great way and some perhaps sacrifice their own lives um, perhaps you can think of others who have sacrificed for you but very rarely will anybody have anybody will any of us have someone that we can say this person died for me and Jesus did that Jesus died took your punishment I believe your debts already paid but the question is, will you give your life to him so that on that, that final day, he doesn't say, I never knew you. I'm going to have to revoke that gift I gave you because you're not, you're, you're not one who was faithful to me. You're not in Christ. Consider, has anyone else ever died for you? No one probably has. But if somebody did die for you, what would you think about that person? How would you treat that person? How would you uh, serve that person? How would you live for that person? That person would be special. You would honor that person. You would, you would do anything for the one who died for you. So my question today is, what will you do with Jesus? On this day that, that so many others are just saying, Jesus rose from the, the dead and he's got the victory and I'm in him. Well, let's really slow down and think about what his death was and what he really did for you, what he really did for me. And let's be moved by it. Let's be changed by it. And there is this wonderful hope we have. Someday he's going to come and get us and take us home to heaven with him. But it's only if on that day we are found to be in him. Don't, don't keep living your own life. 
Start living for Jesus. He's the one who died for you. We need to live like ones who've been died for. So on this day, if if you're you're there and you're a Christian, I, I want you to really think about Jesus has given so much for you, more than you deserve, and you need to start living for him in a greater way. I hope you'll consider that this week and start living like Christ wants you to live. And if there's somebody out there who you, you know you need to respond to Jesus, he died for you and now you need to die uh, to your own self so that you can live for him, that happens in baptism. That's when you call upon the name of the Lord and you say, I can't save myself. I need you. And you give up your life and you die in a watery grave and you get resurrected again. And if there's anybody who wants to make that commitment to Jesus to live for him forever, to be with him, be with the one who died for you. Oh, it's a good life and it's a good feeling and it's hope and it's joy. And he is full of love and goodness. And he so wants to share life with you. If you need to respond to, to that, that call in any way, if you want to come to Jesus, you call me on my phone. You can do it now. You can do it later. You can do it during the week, but make it soon. You don't know when your final day will be, when your final breath will be. So make that decision. Jesus, he's the only one who's probably ever died for you and ever will give your life to him. If you need to respond, won't you, won't you please do so as we sing this song?